0: Hey, this is for all of our property manager friends of the podcast. Are you looking to add more properties this year? If So you got to check out Vintory. These guys are at the forefront of what they do. You should see them at conferences, pack presentations, their booths are slammed, and Brooke, their founder, is a huge fan and supporter of the pod. Ventory has built the first and only software and services platform designed specifically to help property managers recruit homeowners and add new inventory to their rental programs.
1: John, these guys are awesome. They can help you pull lists of vacation rental homeowners in your area and then even market to them across multiple channels. From landing pages to chatbots and so many more booking tools, Venturi is here to help you collect leads. Their state-of-the-art CRM with marketing automation can help you easily track those leads and efficiently communicate with them across your entire team.
0: The system can even automatically follow up with your leads instantly. Knowing that your leads are getting contacted right away is an awesome feature. The best part is if you sign up now, you can get a free homeowner marketing list and a free owner landing page. On top of that is 60-day money-back guarantee. Venturi makes it completely risk-free to try it out. They will even send you a $50 Amazon gift card just for taking a demo.
1: To learn more, go to Venturi.com forward slash NoBS. That's V-I-N-T-O-R-Y.com forward slash NoBS. Or just mention that you heard about them on the NoBS Short-Term Rental Podcast
0: welcome to the no bs short-term rental podcast an unfiltered look into the
1: global vacation and short-term rental industry i'm mateo bradford and i'm john stokinger and this is our podcast we bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can.
0: Morning, Mateo. How are you, man?
1: <laughs> Fantastic, man. How are you?
0: <laughs> We've had some technical difficulties this morning, but that's okay. You, uh, you're you coming to us live with amazing uh, audio and, and yes. video quality from yes. your car.
1: Yes. Exciting. Yes, yes. I am you know, and I'm on my hotspot. So how, how good is that? It's, hey, you know, you know li- living the tech dream here right now. I'm. <laughs> if you only knew that I'm sitting in an IHOP parking lot <laughs> <laughs> by the San Francisco airport on San Francisco <laughs> right now, recording a podcast. So, well, you, you know, like, it's like strange looks like it's because people are going to be like, what the... What is this dude doing on a, with a microphone but you know in all fairness i am in san francisco so i'm pretty sure there's weirder shit going on and yeah truly right just
0: look around the corner you have some weirder <laughs> shit well season two episode 22 we have an amazing guest we're going to dive right into dude. it because we got a lot to talk about the one and only andrew kitchell CEO and founder. If I hope I'm saying that correctly, of Wheelhouse. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you jumping on today.
2: Excited to be here. And Matteo, I bet I bet there's another podcaster within a hundred yards of you because
1: it is San Francisco. And what? yeah, I, well, there's a dude <laughs> doing something behind a dumpster over there. It might be a podcast. <laughs> it might be
2: something. I, that, that sounds like maybe not a
1: podcast. Uh, I, 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 uh, I don't know. There's antennas. I don't to uh, leave. <laughs> yeah, he's holding I'll something that in one his hand. All right. Uh,
0: it may be a microphone. It may not.
1: <laughs> I'm not looking. So you see me not looking right anymore. I'm just not going to do that. So.
0: Well, it's but. early. It's early. And your you boys jumped on early uh, in the West Coast. So I, I appreciate you jumping on. And, and we really want to go ahead and, and talk about, you know, Wheelhouse, big in the news, exciting stuff happening, and it, it's been in the works for a while. You know, and behind the scenes, it, this isn't this has been a long time coming to get to where we are today. And you know, we're, we're going to let you tell your story, but you know, the big news in the you know officially spend out of Wheelhouse is a fish, officially spend out of lyric, and uh, you have a sixteen million raise. Is that correct? That wow. is,
2: yeah. Yeah. Congrats, that was, by
1: the way. Yeah. Congrats. Thank, Shout out. for Thank that. you.
2: Shout out to the team. Right. Um. Yeah. yeah. So it was closed in January. You're right. It was seven months of work to make to make it all happen because it was it was when you when you spin out that's really a restructuring of an organization. It's not a not a simple thing necessarily. So there's a lot of kind of moving pieces. But we did we finished it in January. We announced it last week. Probably be sharing a little bit more about what it looks like. I can share a little more here too about kind of the conversation. it here yeah, we love yeah, exactly, that. exactly. But uh, it, it turned out to be a, a really additive, additive raise for sure.
0: That's awesome. Was, we're super stoked to hear that. Like, and, and I definitely want to get into that and talk about current moving forward. But I want to chat and we want to talk about, you know, I look at your your resume and you, you have a very, you know, prestigious if you're looking as far as, you know, looking at companies in the space and the short term rental space, you know, Lyric beyond pricing as a co-founder now you're doing something different and before that you have some interesting things for me that I didn't really know about some marketing stuff um this 30 words thing you know I everyone has like this awesome story like how they stumbled into the space how did you become you know Come into beyond and then from there you know move to lyric and do the, like how do you get into the short-term rental space what was your trajectory tell us your story
2: yeah I, I mean it's like kind of a classic story of not necessarily what you know but who you're lucky to meet along the way right i mean i showed up i showed up to san francisco and, and the company you're referring to 30 words was the first company i started but i started it from san francisco and i had i had arrived here kind of by bike to be honest i had biked down from uh the San Juan Islands in Washington. I was a biking oh, kayak guide. What? I biked to
1: town. <laughs> I'm and- sorry, time out. Nope, nope, nope. Stop <laughs> right there. So you biked from the San Juan Islands all the way to San Francisco? I, I did.
2: I took a bus for the last little bit because my the bike I was on was so old and broken. But it, it was kind of like, a, I, I came to San Francisco because I'd, I'd heard stories about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I ended up arriving here and... Um, meeting and eventually moving in with some folks who were starting their, their building businesses. And at the time, this was 2007 going into 2008. Um, it was when a lot of these like early stage accelerators were, were starting up. So I had a roommate get into Y Combinator. It was the class that actually had Brian Chesky and Nate oh, wow. and oh, wow. Joe in the class. And I remember, so we had, we had a home of, there were five of us living in this home. There were four businesses being started. None of us had any money. And my, my friend came back from the first or second YC class and he said, um, you know, there's this really crazy idea called airbnb Breakfast. It's never going to work, but the guys who run it are great. Let's help them out. So we threw ultimately one and then multiple couches on Airbnb very early because my business 30 Words wasn't making any money. I was renting out my room on Airbnb and I would, <laughs> I would have Airbnb guests show up. And I would go sleep on the couch down the living room. It was that, it was that awkward, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but it paid That's for amazing. It paid for rent, this. right. Mm-hmm. And the, the kind of, the kind of last crazy turn here was um, through that met, met a team movie, which I eventually joined kind of an early, like true technology company that illustrated the way of both technology and raising venture capitalists part one. And part two is um, I hosted Brian Chesky and mm-hmm. had him come over to my home and had, ABC news show up and film the whole thing. And I was by that point it's safe to say kind of addicted on the category. Right. Right. I thought that the, I thought that the space was fascinating. I thought, and I still think is the greatest unlocking of creativity in the history of hospitality. It's like, who are we to be able to, you know, take a few photos, set up a listing and start making money to allow us to live this kind of different, you know, to pay for businesses and to pay for small adventures and stuff like that. It was kind of incredible. And like very obviously a big unlock. So I love the story from like, uh, or love the kind of industry from the perspective of like, it just changed my life. Yeah, Man.
1: So I think that's incredible. First of all, I, I don't know that people understand the, because I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the fact that you rode <laughs> your bike from the San Juan Islands. This guy rode his bike from sense. essentially from Canada yeah. to California. That's huge. That's the entire West Coast. I don't have a lot, a, lot that, of time that's a lot of time to think. That's well, kudos to you for that, brother. That is a hell of an accomplishment. I because I love that area. But I also love that your story is is kind of a pioneering one within that space. And it seems like that's, you know, kind of your personality and kind of who you are and and, and it's a, a large part of your story. And not to to min- minimize it at all. I think you know, being able to be a part of that creative cohort and I, I never knew that. I never knew that your origin stories go that deep. So, you know, talk to us a bit about that that grind from there. How did it get from coaches to, yeah. you know, and, and, and with, from your vantage point, because being in proximity, being in San Francisco, being around Airbnb and shout out to Airbnb, but I don't want to make this about them. I definitely want to keep this to your story, but you have a parallel line. Um, and so you've been able to see this from the front line. How's that been? It's, I mean, it's
2: been up and down every which way but fascinating. I think like, I fell in love with entrepreneurship pretty early. um, Just in the notion that every day is going to look different. And that like, if you, if you really value, like what ultimately what I'm optimizing for at the end, at the end of all these things is like, I want to have had a really fun and interesting life and met great people. Yeah. So through that lens, every up and down that we'll probably talk about over the course of today has just been interesting. Right. It hasn't always been easy, but at least it's been interesting. And been like, oh damn, that's a crazy story, <laughs> and I like that. I like that, right? But the um, the break, Kate, the break for me, most likely um, so at, from this kind of hacker house, let's call it um, I ended up meeting an individual named Eric Wu, who he now runs a company called Open Door. He's one of the, in yep. my opinion, great CEOs, young CEOs in Silicon Valley or anywhere. Super thoughtful individual. And he was friends with a friend and he picked me up one day for a kind of a, a one day project. And he talked to me about what he was building by the end of the kind of day we spent together. I was like, I would, I would love to join this. And that team was, Movity was using uh, this kind of new notion of open source data mm-hmm. to start to inform home purchasing decisions. So we were looking at everything from what are crime levels and starting to map it and starting to visualize crime data. And then looking at transportation times and all these things. And, and our team as a team of six, Got acquired by Trulia, but like the 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 one year journey I had there before. I mean, Pinterest started out of this six person office. Instagram was a, a, a stone throw away. It was kind of this like glory days of Silicon Valley, and how could you not get addicted, right, to, to that type of thing? And seeing these people right. go on to build, you know, go from two people to a billion dollar company in a matter of time. That was Instagram. Uh, it was just so fascinating. So I ended up saying, and kind of uh, learning from Eric, a the way of a little bit of the way of venture. Eric actually eventually was the individual who brought me in to run what was then called Beyond Stays and ultimately became Beyond Pricing. But again, going back to kind of, it's not necessarily what you know, it's kind of who you meet and who you can call to get help or who kind of says, Hey, I've got something I'm working on. Why don't you come join me? That ultimately led to this kind of now almost decade in the short-term rental space, kind of building from a bunch of different angles. So like the ups and downs of it have been, have been fascinating and fun um, ultimately, I'm kind of driven by a love of the category and kind of in, still the notion and kind of what gets me excited every day is like it's still a totally misunderstood category by yeah. what I'll call Main Street. So to me, that's fascinating.
0: Right. Can you talk to me about you talked about beyond states, which I had no idea Um, And then went to Beyond Pricing, and now it's Beyond, Um, and and it's a direct competitor of yours now. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk to me about your your relationship with, say, Ian McHenry? Um, When I came into the space and I started getting, uh, you know, kind of, you know, six years ago, five years ago, you know, I became friends with Ian, and we, you know, had some great times, and I learned a lot about the space from him. How how was that like? And when I came in, he was the, at that time, the CEO. And was he also the co-founder? I'm just confused with, and so yeah. how does this timeline work? And I'm just curious how that all played out.
2: The, the original founder of Beyond Stays, ultimately what pivoted to Beyond Pricing, was actually Eric Wu. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Eric founded Movity. He's obviously, he left Beyond Stays to go found Open Door. Okay. It's crazy in your
0: in your place
2: what a horrible
1: what a horrible decision that's yeah to oops. go and do that
2: oops <laughs> <laughs> now um i mean there's there are parts of the story I'll, I'll i'll share and some things i probably won't hear so eric actually brought me in to be i was i was ceo brought in to be ceo of beyond stakes and as you as you can probably guess that's not necessarily a popular decision for other people who had been there at the time it's right kind like Hey, who's this young whippersnapper who's like going to come in and like uh, doesn't necessarily know the category super well, but is maybe, maybe arguably in Eric Wu's mind, kind of a hustler and a builder. And within that company, had had a little bit of cash from Eric. We probably had about $300,000 raised kind of on debt vehicles at the time. So our investors had no true ownership of the, of the organization. And about three months in, we were managing. So Beyond Stays was a property management company similar to, to Pillow, if you remember Pillow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really what, what both those teams were looking at was kind of this notion of, could you take uh, a bunch of Airbnb properties in urban environments and slap a service layer and a brand layer on top of it and start to create value? And even though that was happening in the vacation rental space, that really wasn't yet happening in the urban environment.
0: Yeah. That urban there. I mean, it's still, it's a, there's still a disconnect between like a vacation destination and an urban uh, destination.
2: Yeah. So a lot of differences in the businesses and we were, we weren't managing yet multifamily buildings. That wasn't even a thing in the category yet, but managing distributed properties and we we're updating prices twice a week by hand. <laughs> and it was like, okay, cool. You know, Revenue management is definitely a thing, but can we automate this? And the, um, to my knowledge, the first automated pricing engine was written by a friend of mine when we were sitting next to each other at a coffee shop on a Saturday morning in San Francisco. And my friend Zane ended up figuring out how to basically hit the Airbnb mobile API, it's a nice way to put it, and update prices based on an algorithm. <laughs> So at that point it's like okay so it works Mm -hmm. so now all we got to do is figure out how to layer in some sort of kind of first like a very structured but still structured but dynamic and by that i mean like not necessarily like you look at kind of temporal pacing you look at weekend pricing you don't necessarily look at uh you might price in some holidays but you're still kind of structuring right a dynamic pricing model right so those those were the early versions of the product and and you can go back and verify all of this. You can actually, um, we then, after using it for a couple of weeks, said, well, this is pretty cool. Let's throw it up on a website and put it on Product Hunt and let's see what happens.
0: So, now, product ex- hunt, yeah, explain explain to the audience what Product Time is.
2: Or your product Hunt is a website where people post new projects and you'd be like, okay, well, like how many new projects are there per day? And the answer is now there are hundreds. Mm-hmm. but at the time there were probably 10 to 20 software projects launching per day. And product hunt was a way, it was kind of like one of the sites you'd posted on if you were hoping to get some sort of like incremental traction. Okay. And if you won the, if you won product of the day, it was kind of like a nice thing and everyone would spam their friends and be like, vote for me, vote for me. Kind of like we all did with shorties recently. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we, we posted on it and it kind of caught a little bit of fire and within probably a week or 10 days. We probably had seven to 10% of San Francisco signed up. And so we're like, okay, well, what would it take to launch us in other markets? And so we we just kind of like really tipped into this thing that all of a sudden became so interesting. Is like, well, we're not going to do the operations company anymore. And by the way, if we were going to build an operations company to be a multi-city or multinational company, you need to build software first among the softwares you would build is revenue management, right. but because it caught fire and it was, it was, I'm, I'm more much more of a product person than I am an operations person ended up going back to those investors and saying, Hey, here's, here's like a signal. Let's pursue it. We started to put uh, a fundraise together. It was during that fundraise. We, I found out a few things that, um, ultimately led to a, a breakup of the, of you asked me about Ian, uh, about of that kind of, uh, Working relationship. We'll put it mm-hmm. that way. Um, okay. And u- ultimately, it led, uh, you know, that I took the data science team from there, partnered up with three other guys from Y Combinator, and started both Wheelhouse and eventually what became Lyric. Okay. At the same, at the same time. So and that happened.
0: that at that time, when when there was fire was caught and there's there's people looking at things, then there was there w- wasn't necessary. And these are my words. Wasn't yep. necessarily a meeting of minds. You, you maybe weren't aligning on the on the executive level, and so at that time you said, "Okay, we're going to go do our thing. You could do your thing," and and you went in two separate directions at that time.
2: It is it is much more complicated than that. Well, I, I'm definitely but, uh, yeah, dumbing
0: this down.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're correct for 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 the sake of folks. Like that that is that is correct. Uh, I think we had a difference of opinion on a whole bunch of different things the depth of data science required for accurately pricing homes, the way you should run a business, and then other kind of just like things that things that were discovered during the course of diligence, you know, investors' diligence in our organization that were not what you would want if you're going to commit to building with someone for the next decade, which is really what's required of, of, of a big startup outcome.
0: Right. I mean, well, I mean, looking at this, you know, at let's look at the trajectories there at that time though you know beyond or now beyond pricing or at that time fucking took off yeah Yeah. and they were like they were every like they were when you're you talk dynamic pricing and dynamic pricing was that buzzword for like two years straight like no one could get it through a conversation without saying dynamic pricing in the short-term rental space and it was all beyond pricing beyond pricing beyond pricing beyond pricing no one heard of (laughs) No one knew what Wheelhouse was at the time. No, it like, yes, people knew what Lyric was, but it was a little di- bit different. So let's talk. We don't necessarily want to talk the beyond pricing trajectory here. We want to talk your trajectory. So, so what happens, you know, next? Let's talk about Lyric and then, and then go from there into the Wheelhouse story.
2: Yeah. So, um, Lyric, so Lyric was built on top of Wheelhouse. We built Wheelhouse for about 12 months before we started to say, what happens if you not only price properties, but what happens if you use, Kind of data science and uh, looking at properties, basically the analysis of properties to start to lease and eventually um, design and manage properties, uh-huh. right? And the the ultimate goal of Lyric, which is is happening now, right, um, was basically others others are doing this, not Lyric. Could we leverage you know a full stack approach from data science all the way eventually to the development of assets? And build a full a full stack hospitality company and the competitive advantages against this. And like the, the two value creations long-term, well, maybe arguably three in our opinions, in short-term rentals, were going to come from a brand which connoted kind of data and, or kind of design and service, et cetera. So Lyric over-invested in brand, for sure. That was a big over-investment for us. Ended up hiring the former head of brand for Starwood to come in and build the brand with us. And then we wanted to invest in data and software that would allow, or, allow us to to cut operations costs. Because if you could have a, a brand that attracted a ton of folks and you could leverage software and data to be able to cut your operational costs, you theoretically had a model that was much more scalable than a hotel model and, and kind of more profitable. So Lyric, Lyric was like a multi-year vision around that. I still think, um, I think in my conclusion, even pre-COVID was that our space was still probably three to five years from reaching its full fruition. that means spaces are selected and built from the ground up.
0: Right, purpose-built stuff.
2: Purpose-built, purpose-built. And it's like, yes, it's expensive for folks in our space, but for others, it's gonna be a really good investment. And like every design decision you would make would be different if your average average guest stayed for five nights as opposed to a year. Like you would just, Mm -hmm. you would think about everything from kitchen design to laundry facilities, et cetera, differently. We could talk about that. But like, basically we thought the data science and software plus a great brand would allow you to eventually go compete against some of the best operating companies in the world, that being Marriott and others who are actually really good at their jobs. Are they like right. creating the sexiest brands in our minds? Maybe not, but are they really good at the details? Absolutely. Hospitality right. is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so the way the way to attack, attack smart, established, well-financed businesses was to create a model that looked very, very different. And especially on the data and software side, we didn't think the hotel codes, despite their capital stack, were well set up to build great software.
1: Yeah. I
2: still, I still believe that. That's why I was still bet on some of the up and comers in our category, standing a very good chance of creating the definitive brands of our, of the next generation.
0: Interesting. Do you, uh, who, who are some of these up and comers uh, in your mind?
2: <laughs> well, Sondra gets the most press certainly, but there's <laughs> a, there's a, there's another generation that was coming up kind of right behind. So Sondra Lyric. Uh, Stay Alfred and others were all pretty darn exposed pre-COVID and also um, we all had taken the space from being like there, there were new, no full floors or full buildings that were doing short term rentals. It was, it was kind of like hard to convince a multifamily owner to, to work with someone like us pre-COVID. Right. And we, we kind of all spent time going to the boardrooms and convincing people like, hey, there's actually something really, really cool here. Let's build this together. And when COVID wiped out the playing field, there are a bunch of super well-positioned people, some who had just grown in smarter ways, to be blunt, who are ready to spring up. Those teams include yeah, Midhouse, yeah. Sexton Stays, Front Desk. But well, didn't
0: Sexton, didn't Sexton uh, get a lot of the stay offered inventory?
2: Yeah, uh, teams who are people. well-positioned. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like teams who are well-positioned and not overexposed were in a great position to buy on pennies on the dollar from furniture to leases.
0: Right. Well, tell us about how how is yours, um, and maybe not yours, but your team. And and please just you know how where, is your connection. Is there some sort of connection to stay offered as well? Am well, I am I correct with that, or am I wrong?
2: John DeRulay, who leads our sales and revenue management team, is, in my opinion, one of the best people at revenue management in the category was super smart dude management.
0: i i've had some amazing conversations with john i and he's a side note he's an amazing artist as well amazing. um yes. but uh this i i liked i'm a big fan of john by the way you yes. got you have a stud on your team
2: so he john was a head of revenue management at stay often and john's entrepreneurial journey is also awesome he's he's really come up and worked across a bunch of domains but we we ended up partnering with john about a year and a half ago and I do know Jordan Allen, the CEO, yeah. and invested in his new thing because I think he's a- Dorsey. Yeah,
1: Dorsey.
0: I want to yeah, have I, 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 I want to have him on too. Like I, he's I'm he's great.
2: Oh, yeah, super super just great hustler. So ultimately, you know, I think there's a narrative of we're all competitors in the category. Like there's also you become friends with a lot of your competitors. Is yeah. is the truth? Right. Um, That's, the
1: That's the industry. It's right. Yeah,
2: it's, so Jordan's a friend at this point. Um, but yeah, it, lyric lyrics say Alfred. Uh, some Domeo, others wipe out, right? Right. Worst possible scenario to be a venture backed urban corporate travel focused hospitality company during a global pandemic. That's just like,
0: right. You but don't that, need it. You don't that, need it. <laughs> that, that went into the arbitrage model not knowing that COVID was going to fuck you.
2: <laughs> yeah. And like, honestly, like WeWork was the first punch when we work really blew up and all of a sudden the capital conditions changed. So it went from everyone being like, we will give you hundreds of millions of dollars to scale this as quickly as you possibly can to, Oh, there are bigger risks than we realized that was punch one punch two was COVID.
0: Yep. Man, so let's let's talk <laughs> like I, there's oh. so much to digest here and not enough time. We could have three or four episodes to kind of talk about your story. And I love I this. a lot at
2: you all, too. Yeah,
0: no, it's good. And no, it's good. I, th- I think our audience is is going to dig this. The I, I want to get into, you know, current state of, of spinning out a lyric and let's talk about this race and, you know, and everything that happened and where you're going. But I want I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. Did, were, <laughs> lack of better terms where did were you like where's there animosity was there did you have like looking at the success in the trajectory that beyond was having early on in this space when you did split was it did it just drive you more to keep on you knew you're going in the direction that you wanted to go or were you were you pissed <laughs> off were you like what the fuck like like what was it like d-
2: depended on the day yeah, <laughs> I, right. I, 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 ultimately, like, I actually, um, I think, Dave and and to their credit, did some, did some decent things to take care of me, um, when Beyond eventually did their thing with Bessemer, and I thought that was well handled. I thought there were some frustrating things that w- took place. I, I think ultimately, I think like I shared at the beginning, like I'm all about the journey, like. I do think there's a right way to embark on the journey. And I I was frustrated about some of the things, some of the ways they had taken place. I was also pretty in love with building wheelhouse plus Lyric. I was pretty confident that the pricing space in particular had years of evolution to go. Mm -hmm. And even that Lyric, which ultimately moved towards this portfolio model was going to push into a domain that unless you were operating in it, you probably wouldn't figure out how to price the supply because it was kind of combining short-term rental pricing with portfolio theory. So. I ultimately thought wheelhouse long-term had the competitive advantage for certain reasons. We weren't investing in it like beyond was. So that was, mm-hmm. that was like frustrating for me. Cause I, I did spend 90 plus percent of my time building Lyric. And if right. we, therefore we brought up wheelhouse in the boardroom is like, well, wheelhouse, you know, we might have to not even push it out the door as a consumer brand at some point, it might be too core competency. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, the, the model is turn your cost centers into profit centers. hmm Turn software yeah. from a cost center into a profit center. Eventually, turn your operations from a cost center into a profit center. Uh, turn your FF&E furniture, fixtures, and equipment from a cost center into a profit center by starting to have a, a real a, a brand line that people might purchase. So those are those are the crazy notions of that was the crazy way you would upset the hospitality space was to truly turn former cost centers into profit centers. So I thought the growth of Wheelhouse was underinvested by the organization, but like you start to build these businesses at scale in tandem with your team and in tandem with your investors. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And we had uh wheelhouse was kind of chugging along, actually had a decent growth rate, but lyric was where eventually we raised north of a hundred million dollars of capital. Right. And when your investors are in the boardroom being like, well, let's scale this. We gave you money to scale Lyric. It's like, okay, yes,
0: but yeah.
2: It's like, <laughs> hey, there's an awesome margin, like a incredible margin business sitting right here, and it's underinvested in. And 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 that was frustrating that's frustrating. And like, honestly, there've been a lot of, you know, Mateo, you asked me like, what is it like? And I shared ups and downs. Like it was tough. Yeah. Leaving beyond that was yeah. not a fun series of dating. Yeah. And ultimately felt great that a few folks from, from Y comedy kind of said, Hey, we, we've heard the story. We want to build with you. Yeah. And that like, was like awesome. the big, the biggest boomerang ever.
0: Right. And and imagine, I can only imagine the weight off your shoulders just like, <sighs> thank God. Like I can just,
2: yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of your word against others in a yeah. situation like that. And at that time I, I was like, I had, I didn't have, I feel like I'm lucky to now have done so many fundraisers that I have a better investor network. But at the time it was, you know, I had the trust of Eric Wu who ultimately has come back and invested in, in our new orgs. And I, I had the trust of others, but it, it was, it was iffy for a little while there. So that was, that was, that was scary. But anyway, yeah, I, I think um, so. Yeah,
1: it, happy in work. that in that situation, you know, what we dig into here is, you know, we get to the core of the story. Like, yeah. taxing, right? Draining, stressful, right? But what, you know, what did they see? Like, what what did they see that 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 proved that spark? You know, was you know that that there was something still to invest in? Because I, you know, when you get down in those times and it's you get that tunnel vision but others don't necessarily see the same world that you do right mm-hmm. they don't have, they're not burdened with the stress that you are they're not understanding the complex relationships and all of the things that go into that and so you know talk a bit about like what you know what pulled you through that and cuz you got to have number one you got to have faith in yourself you have faith in your abilities faith in your ideas but for others to also you know, It's got to be magnetic to the point that others can see it and believe in that. So there's something there. They didn't just oh, trip over it and say, oh, Andrew's still got it. We're going to go check in with him. There's something there that you imprinted somewhere with somebody and some people that were like, this guy's got it. We're going to put, our, we're gonna put our, our, our horses on his cart and roll with him. What do you think that was?
2: For one, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. <laughs> like,
2: like, I would love to tell you, Mateo, that this is yeah. all a grand plan. And and the reason I like share this kind of, I'll say maybe more candelier, hopefully humbly is like, I want other people to know who maybe didn't, who weren't the Mark Zuckerbergs who dropped out, yep. you know, who could drop out of school and start their business. It's like entrepreneurship is a career path and you're going to fail and you're going to struggle. And ultimately, I think, and someone told me this very, very early on. Ultimately entrepreneurship will set you free. And I think, so I, I think that idea has, has driven me a lot. I think in terms of what people saw, I I think ironically, and this is part of the reason I love Silicon Valley for as much as you can make fun of it. And I, I have to make fun of it sometimes too. I mean, there is an attitude in this town, which is your struggles and your losses should you look at them through the right perspective, have taught you more about how to ultimately build success. And this town is forgiving and entrepreneurship in general and venture capital is ultimately in my mind forgiving. Cause they're like, Hey, like I, I know if I was look at a, a, a young person building business, I'd be like, great. I, I really believe in you and you're probably going to fail anyway, but you're going to start to get all the seeds of success that you need. And I think what people ultimately therefore probably saw was I'm pretty hungry. I work pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I am eager to learn and be told that I'm wrong. And like, I think those things are enough where it's like, and I, treat, I, I try to treat teammates well, right? So I, I, I do think people want to build, I'm, I'm fortunate that uh, I think people like building with, with me and I like building with them, right? So I, I think there's like enough of those components where like when you're betting on early stage companies, you are betting on the individuals who run it. Um, so I, I don't take lightly that people have bet on me and, and re-bet on us with wheelhouse, right? right? After spinning out a lyric. Like I don't take that lightly at all. I take it as the greatest gift I've ever been given. And I ref I'm like I'm going to ultimately honor all those bets, right? Yeah. That's the goal. Part one. And part two is now I hope to get to the point where I get to bet on others yeah. who are going through that same thing. Cause it, it is again, it is if everyone only got one shot at this, that wouldn't be the most exciting place. But multiple shots
1: at entrepreneurship are essential for seeing all the ideas that we see out in the world today. So how does that narrative not get told? Because the success is really in the failures, right? Like people think uh, we have this society that thinks everything just happens overnight. We don't shine lights on the true struggles of like, what, you you know, we just see the mountaintop. We don't see the journey to the top. Right. Or we don't see, we just see that you rode your bike from here to there. We don't know what that journey was, that the bike broke down and what you learned in that space. And like that, I feel like is probably and I think you mentioned it a little bit, like that's where the value comes in. Like how many times have, you know, people in Silicon Valley or anywhere, you know, anyone who's been successful at anything failed along the way? And we as a culture, and I think just broadly, not even within our industry, don't focus on the the value of that failure because we still create this attitude where failure's bad. And if you fail, you're, you know, it's done and you can't succeed. But people that break through those barriers right like people that don't give up and people that continue to try and continue to work and and, and 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 part the things that they've learned through those failures those are the ones that are set free right through the entrepreneurship the ones that don't because when you said that it, it you know it put an asterisk in my mind because yes it does set you free if you don't give up
0: and that's yeah, the key the, to
1: being entrepreneurship, right? Is not giving up. It's to continue to drive, to continue to bet on yourself, to continue to bet on your idea, to continue to bet on your teams and pushing that through. It's, it's the like,
0: lessons learned. It's, yeah. it's like when those failures, it's, you know, if one can go ahead and look at their lessons learned from these failures, those are the ones that are going to succeed. It's the ones that just look at, it, fuck, I failed again. Yeah. Or, you know, like and don't actually learn and and try change their you go at a different approach, pivot, do whatever you need to do to go ahead and try it and try it again. It's those that actually can look at it and look at it as a life lesson and, and 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 as a building block to getting to where you need to go. I mean, we you know, look at us, Teo, like look at how many in this and all yeah. our other things, look at how many times we've failed. Yeah. And it, it's just looking at things with a I think entrepreneurs in general are those that can accept failure as a, as a building block and, and move forward and, but not accept it as, as like an outcome. Right. Yeah. Right. Well said.
2: Well said. And, and it's a little bit of, it, there's a couple, uh, can I add a few thoughts here too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. Cause it's, a, I think it's a little bit of framing. Too So like, Hey, if, if people are like, Hey, your company failed, but you're like, yeah, but I met a hundred amazing people. And I now know five people I want to build my next idea with, and I've got investors who I trust. Like, was that a failure right. or is that like success or, you, you know, that's, that's so part, part of it is framing. And, and like, you know, as an entrepreneur, I was so, I was so insecure about 30 words, that idea. I started the publishing company. I didn't go home for a couple of years. Cause I was like, I don't want people to ask me about it because I know how exposed this is. Right. Like, right. And, and and I actually found it to be so fun to, like, learn how to build a business and all the things that go into it and determine your days, et cetera. Um, but there was a lot of failure there. But, like, I, I think you got to be comfortable with the reframe, part one. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I, I do think, like, I do think we're moving towards a society where failure is more understood. Like, it really – venture capital. Yeah is kind of predicated on the notion of let's take a bunch of risks and a bunch of the businesses we invest in are going to fail, but the ones who win are going to win really big.
1: Yeah. Well, and
2: when I moved to San Francisco, right, there was Y Combinator was starting. Now there are hundreds of accelerators everywhere in the world. And most countries are on earth
0: yeah. and you have
2: venture capitalists who focus on every single niche you could think up and, you know, you know, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of venture capital firms. And now you have kind of angels who syndicate funds and like, I think people are leaning into the notion that these risky things or failure is more likely more risk more failure right um, is actually a great way. It might take longer to prove out these bets. it does right. but it ultimately, actually ultimately, it's a bet
0: right it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a it's a calculated bet you know based on drive ambition and idea, you know, right you know in yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I I have a question in the future when we get through the, going back to that and you mentioned Angel. Um, but before we run, and we, we still have a little bit of time, but tell us about where your current state and break, you know, I want to hear like, how did you get out of, out of, how did you, were you able to spin out a lyric? Was it, was, I mean, we know that, you know, this happened, you mentioned earlier back in January and you just went, you just went live with it. Um, but tell us about that that journey, you know, was it, was it accepted internally? Was it, was it like, yeah, we're uh, eventually we're going to allow this to happen or was it a, was it a struggle? Was there a fight? Um, I, I'd love to hear this story.
2: Yeah. So we, um the, the relevant background, and I'll speed up to the restructure because that's where it gets interesting, but the relevant background is March 1st, 2020, a deal fell apart with a major OTA that would have probably allowed Lyric to survive COVID. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. a lot a lot lyric to what i'm sorry survive
2: covid and and i called my dad at the end of february and said hey we're going to survive covid it's going to be really rough but we're going to buy up the whole industry on the other side that's how confident i was in what was going to happen and on march 1st when that deal fell apart i i had to call my dad back and say oh i was wrong yesterday (laughs) um so when that deal fell apart lyric we uh we had actually run down scenarios and in January or February of, of that year, a board member had said, run a scenario where revenue drops 90%. Cause China revenue was dropping 99% for right. uh, some, some travel companies. And we were like, that's crazy. And the board member said, run it now. What would you do to survive? And yes. so by March 1st, when the deal fell apart, we had a plan to survive and we had three plans and none of them looked
0: great. Right. And it's, we ended up doing the getting by. How do you get by? Yeah.
2: yeah and the, the way to definitively get by without question, not knowing when hospitality would return. Right. Because, yeah. you know, post Katrina, New Orleans has never returned to the same travel levels. And after 9-11, New York took five years to recover. So we're like, OK, well, a global pandemic is it should we bet right. on a year or a three year or a 10 year recovery? And what is right. hospitality going to look like at the end of that? So like, can we or would it be wise in any form? To continue to exist as an operating company and our answer ultimately was no no nope. cut to technology
1: yeah
2: cut to technology that is flexible is nimble can be built for the next generation so 18 days later so march 18th um and this is not a glorious day this is a, a terrible day over zoom because we couldn't go to the office we had to say goodbye to 135 teammates Ish. and to 15 of those 135 we had to say hey we need to actually retain you for two, four, six months to tear down Lyric. And if we're sued by any building we're in right now, our company's dead. And to the other 15 out of that 150, we said, we're a technology company again. And we're building. And we didn't even necessarily- from what,
0: let's let's reiterate these numbers again. From what number to 15?
2: 150 full-time.
0: To 15 full-time.
2: Yeah, probably fewer than 15 to be honest. Yeah. Damn. Um, so that that was really tough and extremely sad. And it took, but like you can't you can't live in that world, unfortunately. Like there's yeah. not a lot of time for grieving when you're trying to save a company. Yeah. And we knew if we didn't get serious about building back as quickly as possible, no way the team was gonna stick together, no way investors were gonna stand by us, etc. So we needed to get to building. And we ultimately, while well, we focused on two technology products at first, we really honed in on Wheelhouse as being the one where it's like deep area expertise, novel technology built for Lyric that hasn't yet hit the market. Um, a belief that even hotel technology was not super advanced. So you could apply kind of what we had learned pricing Lyric to uh, bring kind of a new pricing platform to market and the rallying cry really quickly for our organization by kind of, By necessity, but also by um, through kind of just like passion was, well, we want to be the team that took the ultimate punch and survived it and built out. And we want our investors, every investors around the table, because at that point, Lyric had a lot of investors and a bunch of cash. We wanted every single one of those investors when they had entrepreneurs who reach really tough times, say, be able to say to folks, you can do it because Wheelhouse did after right. losing
0: everything, yeah, and so uh, like a Phoenix rising from the ashes.
2: Yeah, so like obviously, like in ninety-eight percent of scenarios, we fail anyway, and we never have a chance. And and we still we, in our minds, we haven't achieved what we set out to achieve yet. We've raised capital that's different than right. yeah. a great outcome, but we, we it was a critical stepping stone. The restructure and the restructure took seven months, because when you're trying to restructure a hundred million dollars of kind of investment, your cap table and Lyric had debt, that's publicly known. Mm. Um, We had to restructure all of it and put our team in a position where we wanted, we had the upside that was requisite of the talent we're lucky to have around the table. And if all those pieces didn't come together, there was no go forward, but the go forward also had to be predicated on a real business being there. So so Wheelhouse, sorry, we kind of executed for 12 months, launched something called Wheelhouse Pro um, during our fundraise, got lucky to win innovation of the year uh, that actually was a big catalyst for us. Um, congrats for for
1: that. yeah, man, congrats. That's huge, man. That's, Thank you. Uh... Yeah.
2: Like I, I got to tell the team, like everything you've worked for, because our team had, our teammates had no equity, right? We were sitting under a hundred million dollars of preference. Right. So mm. all of it was predicated on the belief that we had just like a, a core crew of folks who should we rally together and build together, we're going to be pretty unstoppable. And like, so now when we, when we ultimately were fundraising, which was hard, I mean. The list of no's was high and we had to keep bringing new, like, Hey, we've improved this aspect of the preference or the debt and keep bringing new structures to investors and ultimately ended up raising and having an oversubscribed round, right? We had too much capital around the table, which, which is kind of crazy. And I really credit to two teammates, Matt and John, who um, a stuck with the company and B knew exactly how to pull off a restructure because I did not. Right. they did. And I learned so much working from them. It's like, it's a, it's a great, it was a great team effort from the product team yeah. to the customers that the CS team that took care of customers when their businesses were wrecked to the kind of business team that ultimately was able to pull off the restructure. It was a total team effort and went through fire and I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Okay. Again, we're talking about these, these lessons learned, these, these building blocks. See, and like, of course, you're not going to trade this for anything. This is, this is what this is the fabric of of who you are. This is the fabric of of wheelhouse, and it's the fabric of you know lyric, at you know to some extent as well. In a lot of ways, our
2: category right reflect we reflect yeah. the strength of the category a lot.
0: Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow, what an amazing story it is. And so
1: then, I got go, John. Go uh, ahead. I you know I got a question. No, you know, go right? go.
0: You're you're all about it. You're cause
1: ready. I, I saw so, it. Because I think it's exciting, and I think it's you know it's it's. Technology is changing everything. You know, companies that have that have gone through this. You know, we've filtered out, and, and not to be, you know, again, but it's the reality, right? Just people aren't here anymore. The industry's changing. Technology is still pushing forward. It's still a critically important part of our business. It's evolving and growing. Where's the future lie for your specific space as PMSs grow? As, as you know. It, Property managers still want that one all-inclusive solution, right? And you know, it's it's the mythical you know animal that that are are you know it's it's wished for broadly everywhere. And so, where do you see the push next for your space? Like, where are you yeah. running towards? Where are you pushing towards? Where are you bullish we're, about?
2: Yeah, we're going deep. We're going yeah. deep in our category, right? I I actually think ultimately, even though people say they want a a, a one-stop solution. I actually don't think that's the right way because to be an expert. So I, I usually think about property management software, channel management software, revenue management software, IOT, so mm-hmm. kind of devices, yep. Um, potentially guest comms, potentially operational software. All those are super difficult problems. And I could keep right. going on the list of things where expertise is going to be required, yep. but like it is so hard to build a data-driven pricing engine that understands each home and looks at every single booking in the market or at a property and knows how to translate that into an effective an accurate price for your home and to build the software layer that allows you to interact and change the strategy because it's so essential and then that problem alone is so hard that like would you really want a team spending 10 percent of their time on that to deliver a revenue management solution for you no way so like we are going really deep because i don't i don't think our technology just like i said our space is still 5 years 3 to 5 years away from having like inventory design for it i think the software systems are 3 to 5 years away i know like i've got a, i've had a chart of the next 8 years or the next sorry eight generations of evolutions of the price of price engines and we are in gen 3 of 8 Eight. Minimum. <laughs> minimum. That's right? amazing. There's, there's so, yeah. and I've had this chart for five years and like the, the loss of Lyric was tough, but like, man, now we get to execute on this vision we've had because we didn't think the category was moving fast. We did not think the leaders of the space were pushing the category in the way that it, it needed to be pushed. And we didn't think they were building transparently, which we think is really, really important. He's got, got to publish your research. It's going to be unacceptable over the next year to not publish what research you're doing when you take over
0: pricing for someone's business. Yeah. right? Like that's- I agree. And I, I agree with your, the, you know, coming from the, you know, you know, property management software sales and understanding that, that landscape pretty decently, you know, I think that, you know, like the, the direction that, that property management software goes. And I was actually just talking to someone about this yesterday. I think that, you know, you, you want, there are two camps of thoughts for, for, uh, property managers. They, they want that all in one solution, but at the same time, they want an open API. So, so they, they can go ahead and put plug in their solution because, you know, the, as businesses scale, you want to be able to scale the business with the tools that'll allow you to go ahead and scale it. Now, a property management software, um, you know, a good property management software is not going to say that they are the best at everything. They're going to be good at a certain thing, whether it be accounting. And I think every property management software needs to focus on accounting, like (laughs) needs to have that, like as their core competency and in booking and having a decent booking engine that plugs into it. And I think that like, and then offer some great solutions, but, you know, realize that there are, there are gold standards that are out there. Wheelhouse, Breezeway, these different companies that are gold standard for their respective like focus. And they know that they're spending 100% of their time like, like focusing on their craft and, and putting 100% of their effort into making that one aspect of it better. How can a property management software say that we have the best of everything? They can't. So a good one can, can put out a a decent product that everyone can get decently scale with. But then when you go on to go ahead and really make it, take it to the next level, bring in a pro, bring in a, you know, a wheelhouse or whatever. There's other companies out there that are, that are, are top tier. You have decent competition. Um, one's going to be joining our, 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 podcast in a couple of weeks and allow the experts, you know, and, and build that trust with them. And, but the open API and clean code, I think is, is the. Yeah. Is, yeah. is where it needs yeah. to be. Yeah, um, yeah. give well, them it,
2: the it, Yeah, and like, you know, we work in a space where everyone truly believes their business is unique. So therefore, like, yep. don't we need to have some different software solutions out there for these very unique businesses that change so much and are very multidimensional? The answer is yes. So you're right, John, I think the interoperability and the ability for people to easily move between systems, PMS, channel manager, revenue management, when the time is right for their business. right. I'd like to see that become much easier Uh, and it will, it will, but, but I, I think, I think depth of software in all the key categories is going to be required. You're going to have really fast moving expert teams trying to solve everything from digital access to distribution to you name it for the next decade, probably. Right. I, I I have no ambition of building a PMS no. at all. <laughs> I have no ambition of building with,
0: channel management. Like right. <laughs> really? with a mobile first approach. Like, and that's and that's where these amazing there, there's I could think of two off the top of my head, and I'm not throwing that are like really great softwares that do a lot of things really, really well. And they are ultimately relatively open API. With that said, their mobile suck. Like <laughs> the mobile, it sucks. Uh, and, and like like if you're gonna go ahead and you want to in in today's day and age with AI being what it is today and and with automation being exactly what it is today and machine learning and everything out there, you, a company that that there used to be when you have a hundred units or 150 200 units you used to have to have a get way more employees to go ahead and and to make that to you know obviously the the operational side is still going to be the operational side you still need cleaning housekeeping maintenance that whole thing but the the executive level the management level you need less people to go ahead and do that today because of automations with that said you need to give those people that are wearing multiple hats running around access on their phone to do 99.9 percent of the stuff. And not have to rely on a laptop or an or an iPad, like like you don't need a tablet to run. Like it needs to be able to be done on your phone because you want to go in, boom, 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 get it done, and you're on to the next thing. These people are busy, yeah. And that's where these 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 premier softwares right now that are great software, yeah. They suck at it. You know, yeah. you hear me?
1: Like, or you, you wanna
2: know the you wanna know the truth? <laughs> yeah, tell me. I don't think I don't think we all have to get on mobile. No, but it should I, be.
1: We're, 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 mobile's hard.
2: But I'll share. I'll, I'll share why. I'll share why. Everything we everything we built today, right? Every, like literally ninety five percent of our product roadmap is aimed at large portfolios. That's right. hundred plus listings,
0: right? Before you get into it, real quick, let me restructure yep. my setting. Take out uh, pricing and accounting. Okay, okay. Everything yeah. else needs to be mobile accessible. Like, I, totally, I yes. totally get it. Like, when, when you need to go ahead and you're looking at spreadsheets or, or, or just, like, large things, I get it. That, that can't be done well on mobile. We'll it's, take it's out hard. accounting. We'll yeah. take out pricing. But everything else needs to be, like, bomber on a yeah, phone. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's, it's not. And
2: interoperable <laughs> between desktop and mobile. And it, it, that, yeah. that is, like, agree. Um, but it, it, it is interesting because sometimes we get called out for our mobile experience. So I'm like, look, you can use it, but really when you're making pricing decisions other than automations, like
1: sit down, take a look at the data. Right, yeah, right. Anyway. I'm not trying to do my pricing. <laughs> I'm not trying to do my pricing for my phone, yeah. <laughs> but I <laughs> yeah. but agree, the user, rate, UX yeah. experiment needs to, it, it should be that the customer wants seamless, right? Like at the end of the day, they want the same functionality at, on a desktop, phone, car like yeah. <laughs> wherever yeah. they're you know it, the more who the hell more works get, in their car mateo <laughs> and, and more people now probably <laughs> than ever <laughs> you know how many people live in vans now like in yeah hey
0: it's it's growing andrew this has been awesome like yeah. this has been a, a great conversation i i wish we could keep going we, we do have to button this up um, congrats on the raise. Congrats on the, on the spinoff. Congrats on like your whole trajectory has been like super fun. This has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Great question. Super fun. Appreciate it all.
0: Absolutely. Do you me? have anything like, you know, w- like anything you want to leave with, uh, the audience today?
2: I don't think so. I mean,
1: no secrets, nothing you, you want to drop. If bombs you, ha- on if you us had
2: fun quick? here in the story and you're battling with your own startup struggle and you want to talk about it, give me a shout. I'm afraid, hey,
0: wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, you did say maybe we heard it here first earlier. What was that? You taught, you know, you mentioned something earlier. I was going to
2: share a little bit more about all the investors who came into the round, but cause like it's a, it's a bunch of people from the short-term and vacation rental space. It's a bunch of hotel groups. I mm. don't think we have time to share the whole list, but it's like, it's kind of, you know, remember what we're, we're talking today a little bit about necessarily. It's not what you know, it's who, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, it's And, relations, line, and right? who knows right? you?
2: Yep. yep. So it's like, Therefore, part of building a business is really building a network around your company that ensures it succeeds. And I am really excited about the network of folks who have come around the table. There's a long list of folks. will to maybe maybe I'll, sh- I'll send you some notes for the show notes, something like that. But we, we are proud of the group of investors that we brought around the table yeah. and who from the yeah. short term rental space bet on us. Well, that, it, really
0: let's fun. do this. If you can, if you're able to share that with us, send me a, send me an email or and and we'll go ahead and we'll put it in the show notes.
1: Excellent. Yeah. No, I love and I love, man, that 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 you make the point to you know a lot of people. You know, I, I'm not gonna say a lot of people, but the, it's great to see that that team approach is done. You know, you know, oftentimes the narrative gets sewn in a way that it's the the person at the top did it, but and not really you know wrapping their arms around everyone that's holding them up. And you know, shout out to you for doing that. And John, it's, it it sounds like we need to do a no bullshit short-term rental entrepreneurship something rather yeah. get a couple of these guys on here and really you know dig into the hey let's get into the meat of this thing and let people tell their stories let them tell about that journey so all about it we got, we got some work to do so. yeah absolutely
0: hey andrew thanks so much man
1: hey, thanks great time appreciate it guys on, be well yep.